Hey, this is Denise Lee, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help improve your mindset and your money. And today, I have a really special treat for you. I had a chance to talk with Bessie Graham. She is the host of the Both and Podcast, but more importantly, she's an award-winning entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience working with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies to bring doing good and making money back together. From the grassroots of sitting in the dirt, working with business owners in the Pacific Islands, to the United Nations headquarters in Geneva, Bessie has seen it all and brings an unparalleled perspective on what makes change happen. But today, we take a step back and ask ourselves as introverts, as entrepreneurs, how can we recognize our own inner strength? How do we understand when we need to recharge, when we need to rest, and more importantly, how we can use our strength for Hi, Bessie. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much. You know, before we even started to record this episode, we were just having a really great time talking and connecting. And I'm so grateful, you know, that you're able to be with me, especially after recovering from COVID. Yeah. First day back functioning today. So hopefully my my voice holds out for you. (laughs) I hope so too. You know, one of the things that I've admired so much since we've been getting to know each other about us recognizing our strengths and as introverts and leaders in the community and as entrepreneurs, we so often think about all the things that we don't have got going on and Mm -hmm. all the things we haven't done when there's so much that we have accomplished and so much that's within us that's special and unique. Can you take kind of a few moments to explain like, why as introverts we don't really acknowledge our strengths yeah I I think it's probably a combination because it's us as introverts and how we uh, present or describe what we bring to the mix as an entrepreneur and as a leader but it's also the way that we've been named or boxed by others so I don't know about you but all the time I will hear conversations and someone will say oh, yes, well, um, so-and-so wouldn't be good for that particular opportunity because, you know, he's an introvert or she's an introvert. And, and you think, oh, hang on, like, what do you think an introvert is? So I think there is still this misunderstanding and almost a connection for many people between being introverted and being shy. And they're two different things. Um, so, oh, sorry, were you going to say Oh, something? no, no, I was, I, was, I was just pausing and thinking about we think that we're introverted because we don't speak. That's not the same it's thing. Not the it's same. The thing. energy that we mm-hmm. get from externally, from other people, internally from others. And I myself thought I was an extrovert because all my friends and all the people were more introverted. But I was just an introvert, introvert too, just yeah. not as much as they were. Exactly. Well, a lot of people have said that to me over the years when I then say, "No, I'm a." deeply introverted person they go what really like there's this disconnect I think for people so I think that first it's important to pull apart both of those things so where is it that we're feeling that we're not bringing uh, something to the table as a 
an entrepreneur or a leader because we're introverted? And is that about what others have named about us or about how we see ourselves? Because you then need to go about addressing those in, in two different ways. But in terms of the aspects of coming at it as an individual from a place of a strength, I think what's important to pull apart is some of those aspects where actually it's really uh, incredibly powerful to be an introvert when you are an entrepreneur driving and leading a team. The ability to think and be strategic and intentional and pause long enough to kind of weigh up the options and run scenarios and all of that thinking side and the ability to to not just be reactive and always on the go is actually an incredible uh, piece to bring to your team or organisation. And so I think just starting to pull apart some people like using different assessment tools like StrengthsFinder or um, DISC or any of the other um, particular profiles that you may like. Sometimes if you're really struggling to have the language around how to talk about what you bring and what your strengths are, those kind of assessments can be helpful because you can grab some sentences out of there and in a meeting or a conversation you can say, well, actually what I'd bring here is the strategic thinking around playing out scenarios and I can, you know, so you can take some of that language and it's easier to grab that if you're starting from a place of feeling lacking um, because it's, you know, talking about yourself um, as the strength rather than feeling like it's talking about you. So that is a helpful way, I think, to just reframe in your mind and actually go, what does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? What are some of the pieces that can help us do well and actually lead? And then pick apart which components of that actually sit really nicely with being an introvert. One of the things that I have noticed within myself, and you've probably seen this with clients, you know, over the years of your work is that we want so much to do a good job that we go through 10,000 scenarios when in reality, we just need to focus on maybe 10 or 12. How do we, as a strength, recognize what is really needed versus what is kind of optional? Yeah. It's a very good question. And certainly, I mean, the honest answer is I still struggle with that myself. All of us uh, can see things in other people. And so you can, when it's someone else, you can say, okay, you've already run enough scenarios, let's go. But then when it's you, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm stuck in this constant cycle of playing out all the things that could happen. The the reality there is that we need to have a, a bit of a mix. So we need to have some self-compassion to kind of go, okay, it's all right. Um, one of my favourite uh, authors who talks around values talks about the fact that our core values, we have a tendency to take them too far. It's the same as the old saying, you know, our strengths are our weaknesses. So there can be a flip side or a shadow to anything. So we've got to take the good and the bad uh, together. But I think, again, one of the practices and the things that is far more common in introverts is that level of self-awareness and self-reflection. So if you can catch yourself and say, I think I've probably run enough scenarios here, then it's shifting gears and moving into that category. Again, if we think about what does it take to be a successful and effective entrepreneur and leader, uh, there's the old saying of looking at what, so what, now what. I really like those um, that kind of framing. And the thing I find helpful is, 
if you just stay in the thinking of like you're intellectually able to name all of the what, you can see all of the things and the options and scenarios, that's helpful to a point, but you need to be able to move down to synthesizing that and going, okay, so what does this mean? And ultimately as an entrepreneur, one of the things that makes us stand out from others is that we actually have the courage to do something. So we can shift into that. Now what? What am I going to do with that information? And so I think just the reminding ourselves of um, what it is we do, what we bring to the world, and that actually that third step of shifting gears into now what and moving into action is a key distinction between an entrepreneur and someone else who just has a good idea. I love that. You know, I want to synergize the idea of self-compassion with so what. I believe that a lot of us, we obviously we want to make a difference in the community. We also want to understand how we can make an impact. And because we have such high ambitions for our community and for ourselves, we can somehow lose ourselves in the process. So how can we speak to ourselves with so much self-compassion and say, it is okay, it is more than reasonable to not have everything figured out? I think um, you and I have talked about this previously of the, the aspect of one of the components is that as an introvert, particularly when you're in those roles and you're quite forward facing out in the world as an entrepreneur and leading, you've had to learn to be able to pull back and put, sort of ignore your desire to have a break from people or to not be, um, you know, up there in the, the limelight. And, and so sometimes we've ignored that for so long and pushed through it that we're actually not as conscious of what our body is telling us or what we need. And, and so we, we may not even be aware of that until the point of absolute exhaustion or, you know, the, the body to say, okay, we have to stop now. So I think it, it is, again, about some of those rituals and practices and, and how do you just become more conscious and create some space in a way that is really respecting who you are and how you're wired. Because the fact is that the, the exact pieces that give you an edge and mean that you can bring your own brilliance into your organisation and your work and to the way you want to contribute in the world that brilliance actually is only at its best when you have had space and time by yourself, when you have had some quietness, when you have had some sleep, when you are um, functioning well. So I think the, the, there, it's actually quite connected to the strengths-based approach because once you frame these things as strengths and you're really clear on what you bring, but you also know yourself well enough to know what it takes for you to be able to bring the best of who you are, then I think you can do that dance a little bit better um, without just constantly denying and ignoring um, what's going on there because we've kind of got two, two competing things happening as an introvert and an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs in general know that there's that hustle and drive and, and the need to kind of keep pushing and that our job is never done, unlike someone who's an employee and, you know, it hits the time that their shift has ended or they're heading home and there is some more bounded sense, even though more and more for all people working, our work has crept into our personal life. As an entrepreneur, there really is not an actual boundary. We're never finished. And so we have to create those artificial boundaries for ourselves to protect ourselves. 
So we've got the double whammy, if you like, and we've got the entrepreneurial aspect of no no formal boundaries and pushing through to exhaustion and then the introverted side of us that's often ignored our own needs in order to be able to perform in this way i remember that see i was online and i i'll never forget this someone said that you're worshiping hustle culture what i think is you're worshiping lack of boundaries and I was gobsmacked when I heard that. Yeah, I heard a, um, a really great saying that uh, Brene Brown said around boundaries where she was talking about people having a discomfort with, you know, having to have the awkward conversation or having to say no or set that boundary. And she said, if you're actually honest with yourself, your two options are you can have the discomfort in the moment and set the boundary or you're choosing resentment because we all know that when you don't set that boundary and you say yes and you actually don't have the time or the energy for it or you don't want to do it, you over time build up this resentment. And again, I found that quite confronting because you think you're being nice or being helpful and it's like, okay, are you actually being helpful if you end up resenting this person or resenting um, the, the, the job that you've now said yes to that you didn't actually want to do? I love Renee Brown too. We could probably talk all day long about yeah. <laughs> how infusing language gives you the tools to communicate better and understand yourself on a deeper yeah. level. But one of the things that I, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself was clarity is a form of strength. Absolutely. Compassion is a form of strength. Loving yourself is a form of strength. And loving yourself means loving how you choose to use your energy. Yeah, so true. And it's interesting because I think that is, so even if you, people may have, you know, heard a saying taking a strengths-based approach and, and there's um, some pretty standard traditional ways of thinking about that. As I said, there's different assessments and tools that people can think of. One of the pieces where I've seen those who often don't like or find assessment tools helpful, I would actually say it's because they haven't done those things that you've just talked about. So there hasn't been an acceptance or a love of themselves. And so in the way they've answered questions, they are there isn't any clarity. They are confused and they do a mix. So they read one of the questions and for this question, they answer it as they wish they were, but they're not actually like that yet. And in this question, they judge themselves and second guess. So they put a different answer. And then they get their results back and they say, well, this is rubbish. It doesn't, that doesn't sound like me. And actually it's because there is no clarity within themselves. There is no acceptance or love of who they are. Um, and so uh, again, everyone doesn't have to like assessment tools, but, but I think that that can be something that potentially you need to sit with and kind of say, okay, what is it that there's actually some internal, um, you know, turmoil going on or a lack of acceptance uh, that I need to deal with and think about in order to step more fully into, because as you've said, we all want to serve, whether it's our customers, the community, the, the different components where we're trying to contribute to the world. We want to do that at the highest level we can. And that starts with our own internal work, because you, you need to lead yourself before you can lead others that you're never going to be able to 
in a consistent way. You might sometimes have a little fluke and, and get lucky, but you won't consistently be getting those results and, um, and really seeing the change you want to see happen unless you can do this work and, and fully get to that clarity and love of self. You know, I think about the, at least some of the spheres that I've uh, worked around in business being the servant leader, where we're serving others, but I never hear about how we can serve ourselves fully. We have a finite emotional bank that constantly needs to be replenished. And we're making all these withdrawals to our employees, to our community, to our family and friends. And then we're wondering why there's nothing left in us at the end of the day, or heck, for some of us, even by noon. Yeah, so true. Well, I think that's often it's like these little slogans or phrases that we say and we almost act as if we think they're obvious but they're not things we're living and and so the you know the perfect one that always comes to mind with those kind of comments is the aspect of putting on your own oxygen mask first before you serve others or giving from a cup that's overflowing so we understand when we hear an image like that and you think oh of course i can't give anything if i'm empty so if you think about it and it's a cup and it's either full and overflowing and giving to people from a place of abundance, not scarcity, that makes sense. And you think, oh, that, that feels life-giving. And But then when it comes into our own lives, there are expectations or stereotypes or different things that play out for us where, as you said, some of those components and beautiful notions like servant leadership, which actually are incredibly powerful and important, can be turned into martyrdom in a way that actually was not the point. And then uh, it's that aspect again that slips into resentment because what you framed as giving from a place of love or kindness actually was coming from emptiness and from a lack of boundaries or respect for yourself. And that doesn't play out well for anyone. And so if we put ourselves in the other person's shoes, we we need to realise that no one actually wants to be served or given from someone who then has coming out of their pores resentment and exhaustion and, like, people feel guilty for that, but you're not helping that person. And so I think sometimes just, again, pulling apart those things and saying, my intention here is to come from a place of service. I want to be giving to these people in order to do that and do it sustainably without it just completely draining me, what has to be in the mix? And so then it doesn't have to be this dramatic either or kind of choice. It can be down to saying, I'm just trying to be more conscious and intentional about what needs to be in place so that this creates that win-win where I can serve and contribute, but not do it from a place that leads to resentment and exhaustion. One of the things that you talk about a lot, Bessie, is about not being a second-rate version of somebody else. There's always there's already a first person doing that. Yeah. You know, you don't need to be an imitator. And when I think about the process of understanding yourself and seeking that clarity, it's stripping off roles that never belong to you. Yeah. Cool. And that's a strong strength of saying, this is who I am, this is how I'm wired, this is what I'm built to do and not apologizing for it. 
Yeah. And it's also that piece, because as you said, there's the stripping away and actually over time and with maturity being able to go, ah, I had been um, behaving or making decisions in this way and had kind of presented myself as being this person. But actually, that was a bit of a persona I had taken on. It doesn't actually sit with who I truly am. So sometimes it's that stripping away and and getting to a place where you are comfortable enough to say, oh, I'm not going to actually keep going down that road because that's not true to who I am. But at other times, there's also that aspect. I'm, I'm not sure about you, but in my life, I very much have had chapters. So when my kids were younger, there were certain components that worked well for me as my kids are now older. I don't want the same things that I wanted when they were young. And and I'm in a different phase and a different stage of parenting and my own journey as an individual. So I think we also have to allow for um, and part of being a leader, in my opinion, is that aspect of vulnerability and showing people that it's okay. You don't have to Uh, always have all the answers, never change your mind. That's not being a human. So part of this uh, not being a second rate kind of copy of someone else, but being you is also allowing yourself to shift and change over time. You know things when you're 45 that you did not know when you were 25. You've experienced life in a different way. So those pieces also come into it. And I think um, the freedom to sit with that and just be honest and vulnerable about, okay, here's what I do know. And from where I am today, this is how I can best contribute more fully um, in a way that's not that kind of one dimensional sense of I'm this thing, which for example, could be, well, I'm an introvert. So then you could just have created all of these artificial limitations or constraints that may not actually be true for where you're at now at the phase you're in so I think both of those aspects are important that's beautiful you know as you're saying that I was thinking to myself there's a reason for every season oh yeah 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 Yeah. and everything that oh I'm sorry go ahead I'm sorry no I was just thinking too in terms of that the just like the seasons piece it's also the same for different relationships we have and friendships or work colleagues or employees so the the same approaches are relevant across. So we need to also in that way of looking at, well, what is this chapter and what works now? Sometimes a relationship um, or an employee that that has been with you for a long time, it, it's worked to a period or a point, and then it's like, okay, this is not actually now serving where we need to go in the future. And so that same ability to um, you know, have that, the grace do it well, but to, to acknowledge that that's okay if, if those needs change as well. The way it was explained to me was that each of our relationships are beautiful fruit, pears and apples and peaches and whatever. And we jar up the memories of the wonderful experiences, the friendships, the laughter, the joy, the, all the wonderful things, and we preserve it. Right. So we can capture the fruit, the sweetness from it and we can jar it up so that we can always refer to it and use it later. But we don't let the fruit sit and rot True, because it helps no one. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's really fleeting and only for a short period. But yeah, there's a yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. I one of the things that when you were talking earlier about assessment tools like the disc, and I was thinking to myself about the first time I took the disc like 15 years ago and I took, and I took it again recently, my responses were totally different because the environment that I wasn't different. Yeah. 
so and how so often we seek as introverts to please yeah and how it impacts how we think we are relating with others but we're not we're disconnected with ourselves and this whole idea of clarity and self-examination and for a lot of us we think well if i just write and do this test and it'll tell me some things but if we're not being honest with ourselves mm-hmm. it's not working so how do we just how do we find ways to be honest with ourselves as we're talking with mentors like yourself or doing these these examination tools how can we say to ourselves if this is the best version of me without these hangups, without these past issues or what might, I think people perceive me to be, how can I really be clear and honest with myself yeah. and with others? I think there's some really straightforward exercises that you can do even just by yourself. So the, the aspects of sitting down and reflecting back on the past, so whether you like to journal or sketch or draw a mind map, however you like to do it, but trying to kind of capture some of the the major points. I always like to look at things. um, So we talk about flow and anti-flow. So when were you in flow? When did you lose sense of time and things just kind of worked? And when were there situations where you were in anti-flow and that was the opposite and it, it was all a struggle and felt like this uphill battle? So starting to map out and capture some of those points from a historic point of view over time and where that's worked so that you can then step back and and look at that and start to see what are some of those patterns, what are some of those um, things emerging where you say, oh, there's a bit of a trend there. I tend to, I can see that when my team got over 25 people, I started to be overwhelmed by that and I've consistently then found I'm... um, having the same kind of issues come up and I'm letting go of people and trying to get back down to that point, but I'd never consciously realized what it was. Or you might look at that and say, I'm seeing a pattern where in the periods where I have not had any space or quietness in the morning and my days are just chaotic from the time I get up to when I go to sleep, that there's a lack of energy flowing into all other areas of my life. So it's the mapping out and and trying to capture some of the the points. You don't need to know the answer in advance. I think one of the pieces, again, if we go to let's actually just have a bit of self-compassion is the fact that you are even doing the exercise or in the case of listening to this podcast, like that you can congratulate yourself for starting. Like that's a good uh, first step. And so I think you don't need to go into any of these exercises already knowing what the answer is. In fact, you shouldn't. And if you don't have any kind of moments where you feel quite, oh, my goodness, that's jumping out at me, then you probably need to keep journaling or mapping for a bit longer. But so I would start with that sort of reflective practice that allows you to start to spot some patterns and get some insights into yourself. And then in the same way that you can do the projection forward and have that visioning sense of, okay, not just talking about it as a scenario in the future, but really stepping into current tense and and doing the visualization as if you're already there and starting to think about, you know, where do you want to be? What are those components where actually you do feel at ease and like you are really in that fullness of, oh, that's interesting. When I feel relaxed and confident 
what is around me? What, you know, what am I doing? What have I done in that day? So starting to fill in or paint that picture a little bit more um, might be a helpful way. So either everyone's different. Some people find it more uh, effective jumping into the future and, and, and removing those constraints and being as if you already feel that fuller sense of yourself and then, you know, reverse engineer from there and figure out what, what was in the mix for you to feel that way. And for others, it can be the looking back and spotting those patterns of what is already present for them. So they can be two of the ways that you start to really get that insight. I think for a lot of us, when you were talking about the state of flow, I was thinking about the flow of chaos and torment and overwhelm and drama. And I think for a lot of us, especially introvert entrepreneurs, we've been so accustomed to it. It seemed like our steady state of being. Yeah, that's very And true. until something like something happens that shifts us out, then we go, oh, wow, that wasn't really way to handle crisis or bottling up all my pain inside because I wasn't, I was afraid of irritating people. It wasn't the best way to go. Yeah. And yeah. I think as we are, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to add one thing. I think as we're, as we're doing this analyzing and, and understanding, we don't have to understand each other. Say, I'm just getting information. I'm just getting data. I don't have to put judgment on the data. Very true. Yeah. And that almost takes us back to that what, so what, now what? So you could even separate out in your mind, like what space am I in? Am I just in the collection of data and I need data points, but I'm not yet doing the synthesis. I'm not yet making a decision. So uh, even allowing yourself that space can be helpful to kind of go, where am I currently sitting and not having to get ahead of yourself to jump into um, already having the answer uh, or, or making those decisions. But you're right. I mean, I think this COVID itself has been an interesting uh, experience. And, and for lots of people, obviously everyone had different experiences. Everyone's children responded differently to remote learning and, and different things. But the, the components that were common for everyone, I think what is interesting is that even something like isolation or lockdowns weren't necessarily easy for introverts because suddenly you were in the house and there was no escaping or having space from your your children your partner etc um, so that I think has led us to a unique place where where even as we start to emerge from COVID we can reflect back and, and go ah what pieces do I want to re-engage with or continue as an entrepreneur and which things has this shift or break where things have got to this, you know, crazy level out there in the world. Um, what has that taught me that actually now I want to engage differently on the back end? When we learn, we're not just learning information that can help others. We're learning information about how we can help ourselves. And when we help ourselves, we can help others. Uh, I think that for a lot of us, COVID was an eye opener, especially for introverts. When my son couldn't go anywhere, I felt like a prisoner of my own home. <laughs> yeah. I felt like a prisoner of my own home. Like, you're absolutely right. I remember one of the things that really, really bothered my son in terms of punishment, the worst thing you could ever tell him is go to your room. And he would hate that because he wants to be in the scene and, you know, but for me, tell me to go to my room. Don't, don't challenge me to that. I'll stay in my room yeah, all day long. That's heaven. Yeah. 
but as I'm not going to as we're recording this, some countries are still doing some lockdown, especially in China. It's very unfortunate. But for all, all of us, we're emerging and things are slowly, steadily getting back to more socializing. I wouldn't say normal. I was just say just a different form of socializing yeah. where we're understanding now about personal boundaries. And there's a lot of fear about, oh my goodness, am I feeling a little guilt if I'm too around too many people? I could come home and get my family sick. How much can I give myself out there in the space and with others? And I think for a lot of us, we think, oh my goodness, how much is too much of us giving and sharing, especially when we feel like we've been isolated for so long? Yeah. I mean, it's a big shift. And I do think that part of what we all have to accept is that it will take time and some trial and error to figure those things out and re-find um, our footing and, and how we do want to engage uh, because it has been such a dramatic shift. But I think one of the best things that you can do, and there's always a risk in this, which we talked about at the beginning of you can end up getting stuck in running too many scenarios or overthinking things. But I do think that if there's any sense of fear or anxiousness about that re-entry, then it is better to have thought about it because the, the worst thing can be to just then start accepting invites or putting yourself out there and then, you know, sitting with guilt or, or feeling anxious and stressed about the fact that you might be either bringing something home to your family or, you know, just not doing things in a sustainable way from an energy point of view. And so I do think that while there is some trial and error needed and we're going to have to just um, find out what works for us now as we emerge from, from COVID, the, the aspect of actually being thoughtful about that is important and, and starting to think about. So we always talk about decision cascades. So figuring out like what is the the point where we're not going to consider options before that point. This is a deal breaker, like this is where things start. And then only considering decisions from that point on. So I know in the earlier times when, um, when COVID was happening for my husband and I, there was certain aspects where until our kids were able to be vaccinated as well as us, even though we were vaccinated, we didn't want to be engaging because we didn't want to bring things home. So there was sort of certain points where we said, okay, well, until we hit this point, these decisions are now off limits. So, you know, you could figure out for yourself or in your family, what are those components for you where you say, actually, I don't need to stress and worry about those 15 decisions because they're not even up for discussion because I have a, a point at which, um, decisions only flow from there forward. So that could be a helpful way too to almost take some of the overwhelm out of it. So make a decision once and then actually just, just stick to that and just be really clear with people so you're not confusing people and saying yes and then changing your mind. Or So that I think that's how I would, would really ref, um, suggest that people think about that. I love that, I love that Bessie. That, just only focusing on the top play decisions because I, I'm telling you, you've probably received like at least five emails. Oh, we're having an event. Oh, we're doing something. Oh, masks are optional. Bring your vaccination card. Oh, space is limited. Oh, and, and you're just overwhelmed. Because and it's a, it's a shock yeah. to the system. Shock yeah. to the system after a, such a long period of time. Yeah, I, I, I want to transition right now into this idea of knowing 
how to rest. I think a lot of people say you need to rest as an entrepreneur, but how can we wind ourselves down? I think that that's a really uh, personal thing for each of us. And so, again, it's this aspect of part of accepting the journey, if you like, of saying, okay, I do want to be an incredibly effective entrepreneur and I want to do that in a way that does have the clarity and the self-acceptance and and love that, that you were talking about before. Then part of accepting that is to say that, you will have to explore and figure out what works for you because what works for me may be incredibly frustrating for you. So I, for example, I love day spas. So I have like regular points where I do take some work with me because it's good thinking time, but I will spend a big block of time in that kind of tranquil setting. I like, I'm the kind of person who takes stress physically and I need to release it Mm. physically. So, you know, the hot pools or massage and stuff is helpful for me to release that tension. But a different person would say, oh, my goodness, I don't like being touched. Like that would be my worst nightmare. So I think part of this is allowing yourself to go on that exploration and say, okay, I'm going to try some things, like especially if you haven't done this before, if resting and truly having that sense of recharging your body and your mind is not part of your practice yet, then the reality is you're going to have to try some things and and figure out what works for you and doesn't. Um, But I think that it starts with some components of of actually being um, setting aside and really protecting the time. Because again, if you go to your point of if we're always giving and there's that sense of serving others, then it will never be a priority and it won't be till the points of burnout or exhaustion that you then say, oh, I need a break or I need a holiday. And at that point, it's too late. It's like they say, if you're already thirsty, it's you've gone too far, you're now dehydrated. Mm. You should have just been drinking consistently. That's the same thing with this idea of resting um, and, and the renewal that you need. And so I think that starting with some of the pieces, so for example, I do think that each day you need some space. Now, I don't think that that has to be meditation or, you know, one particular thing. I'm not a huge fan of meditation, but I'm very much someone for stillness and quietness. So I need that every morning. I get up before everyone else does in the house because I like to have that time where there isn't any of those demands and that noise and I can have my pot of tea and just sit quietly. Sometimes I'll journal. Sometimes I just want to have the fire on and sit there and you know, not do anything, but it's that stillness. Um, And so for for some people that will be meditation, mindfulness, for others, it is just the the quietness. But having some of these practices that are part of your day, Mm -hmm. I think are a good place to start and just make them uh, part of your practice. Then the, the components that are more about that recharging and giving yourself space. Again, as an entrepreneur, it can be easy to, to shove uh, things into that time to make it uh, a good use of time. So we can say, oh, well, I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to an audio book or do something while I'm <laughs> relaxing. That kind of takes away from the actual purpose. So I think trying to uh, 
set aside and actually put it in the diary and commit to it again as a way to be respectful of yourself but connect it if you feel any sense of either guilt or like this is a waste of time or it's selfish I would really encourage you to come back to the reflection point around I'm wanting to give from a cup that's overflowing because then I can you know bring that life and energy and and bring my own brilliance to the people I'm working with or to my family then from that point of view, you'll then realise it's actually not selfish. It's the exact opposite of that. This is the best way for you to be able to be uh, effective and efficient as an entrepreneur. That is absolutely beautiful, Bessie. You know, one of the things I love about how you framed it was you weren't trying to pigeonhole those who are listening into any particular area or a particular methodology, but the whole idea of prioritizing your skills, meaning we schedule all of our activities. We schedule our time to talk with each other. We schedule time with our clients. We schedule time with our kids, but we don't put aside that time, right? That we And protect it and make sure it happens. You know, you just go, oh, and really guard it. Mm -hmm. And I, myself, I am a huge spa lover. I I love, and I... And I realized it dawned on me that if you give it a look, why don't I bring the spa home to me? So true. Mm-hmm. If I Just as myself- a, at your nighttime ritual or something of the, the way you wash your face or the way you do something, turn it into an act of self-care. Yeah. And oh. yeah. Very if you true. find yourself inclined, lean in. If you find yourself inclined to a particular thing or activity, that's usually indicator that it brings you joy, lights you up. Why don't you lean into it? I'll, I'll give you a, a funny example. So you may have heard of the, the company Style C or Stitch Fit, Stitch Fit. It's one of those um, personalized, they send you through your packet, packages of outfits and whatever. It was funny, they were, I was assembling a profile of all the things that I want to wear. And I found I, a carousel of all these things with flowers, flowers flowers and I said my goodness I like flowers and my husband looked at me like yeah you do so it was so oblivious to me that unconsciously I was telling a a system what I wanted but I didn't even know it myself yeah well that's almost like that uh looking backwards mapping exercise where you then see a pattern emerge that's that same piece and I think one of the pieces if you use say the flowers as the example is it's important when it comes to rest or the renewing and giving yourself that energy back to also not make everything massive. So for example, if our only option of how to rest is that we have to have a whole day at an expensive day spa, then we may not do it very often. But if we say, oh, I have noticed that flowers bring me joy, then you can do a whole range of things from buying flowers to I love my garden. So I always have loads of roses and lavender and things. And I can just step outside of my office and take three minutes and, you know, pick a few flowers, bring them back in and put them on my desk. And that in itself is that piece of it's something I know brings me joy that as I'm sitting on a Zoom all day, I can be looking at something beautiful I can smell the roses or the lavender. So you can find little things as well. And I think that's important is to not, if everything's massive or expensive or incredibly time consuming, then we're not going to do it regularly. And the reality is that in order to be giving from that place of abundance and overflow, it, you can't wait for every two years to go to a day spa. <laughs> like it has to be regular. So I think finding some smaller 
everyday things that you can do, um, whether it's a certain kind of scent with a body wash in the shower that makes you feel invigorated or it's the flowers on your desk or whatever it is, finding some small touches and moments that you protect and give yourself space and beauty or whatever it is for you is actually really critical. I love it. Bite-sized moments of joy. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) We've talked about so much and we definitely have to talk again, because I definitely got a lot of value from this. And I know those who are listening are getting value as well. If they, as everyone who's listening had to walk away with one core idea, one main thing from you, from our conversation that you just want to say, you have to know this above all, what would it be? So I think if we focus in on the, the, let's just go with the title of your podcast for now. So if we think of the aspect of being an introverted entrepreneur, mm-hmm. the one thing I would want people to realise is that even that looks different for every person. So it is about finding not just a naming that sits well and you think, oh, I am that, but it's about uncovering what is uniquely you in what you bring to the world. Because when you do that, then the the opportunities that open up and the way people will be drawn to you will blow your mind because there's suddenly um, uh, there's a level of integrity and authenticity to what you're bringing that people, the right people will be drawn to. So I think if you go back to your point before, it's allowing that we don't have to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. So the you don't have to just always be giving. But that knowing and bringing what is uniquely you to the mix as an entrepreneur is actually going to be incredibly powerful and you will draw the right people to you. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Oh, my goodness. This has been such a blessing and I know this is going to really help someone. Bessie, how can people find more about you? Sure. The... Uh, probably the two best ways. So I have a podcast called Both And with Bessie Graham. So if someone just wants to have some more of the uh, sort of strategies and reflective practices and things, they can listen in to the podcast. Otherwise, uh, joining my Facebook group, if you're wanting to interact more with other people who are exploring these same ideas of how do we live and lead meaningful lives, uh, then that would be the next best place to go. And I will also drop links in the show notes below if you didn't catch that. Jesse Graham, it's been such a pleasure just sharing this space and this energy with you. And I'm looking forward to talking with you again sometime soon. I would love that. My absolute pleasure. I hope it's been helpful. Oh, it definitely has. And thank you again for your time.